Hey, Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome back to another episode of Unnatural. We missed you the last few days. We hope that you have so far enjoyed the first like two and a half episodes of the new season. Mm-hmm. And we are closing in on Haunty Spook Spook time. It's spooky season. It's spooky season. It's spooky. I don't know about you, but once once the calendar turns into September, that's when I really start to get ready for Halloween. Oh, I've had half of my Halloween decorations out for like two weeks now. <laughs> I've got some on my porch and I'm, I'm sporting my skeleton shirt, which nice. I love. We stand. This episode, I guess, can be considered spooky. This guy certainly was very spooky, but in a very different way. He is one of the most notorious serial killers of all time, Emily. And this takes place in Russia and Ukraine for the most part when they were all part of the Soviet Union. In fact, we actually briefly mentioned this murderer in our Unnatural Jeopardy episode a while back. I think you got that question wrong. So, yeah, listen up. You'll learn something here. Quick trigger warning, by the way. It, this is a case that involves sexual sadism, sexual assaults, and some pretty brutal killings. So if that's not your thing, maybe move on to another episode. That being said, so this was a series of murders that spanned about 12 years. Over 50 women and children were mutilated and murdered by a madman who was also a teacher of literature and inflicted his first crimes on some of the very students that he taught. This is the chilling story of a serial killer with not one, not two, but three nicknames. The Butcher of Rostov, the Rostov Ripper, and the one I'm going to go with, the Red Ripper, Andre Chikatilo. of this story takes place in the city of Rostov. It's a city of about a million people in southern Russia. In fact, it's very close to what's going on in Ukraine right now. In October of 1982, the special task force of the city was desperately searching for a serial killer. It's something they were, I would say, woefully unprepared for. And much like that Honolulu Strangler case last season, the public would ultimately pay the price for the mishandling of the case by local law enforcement. I know you did the Honolulu Strangler case and the local law enforcement. Would it be fair to say they were pretty incompetent at times? I'd say so. Mm -hmm. I mean, unfortunately, we can say that about a lot of cases that we've covered and a lot of cases that we haven't covered. That's true. 
lots of them out there. The investigation had begun around four months prior when the body of a 13-year-old girl was found in a forested area near the city. 13. Yeah. And she had been repeatedly stabbed and her perpetrator even gouged her eyes out, which is strikingly similar to uh, the case we just covered a couple weeks ago in the eyeball killer. Shortly after she was found, two more bodies with similar wounds were discovered. And guess what? They were also Mm. stabbed and also had their eyes gouged out. Mm. When was this again? So this took place in the 1980s. Okay. Early 1980s, 1982. And all three of them had their eyes gouged out and all three had also been sexually assaulted. And another similarity, all of the bodies were found near the railway tracks in the same kind of general area. So at first, police were kind of baffled as to what was going on. They first thought that maybe the brutal nature of the killings signaled that they were dealing with some sort of satanic cult. Mm -hmm. They also considered the possibility of it being tied to a gang of boys from a local home for the mentally handicapped. Well, we know, like going back to the satanic cult thing, like the satanic panic was big in the United States, like around this point in time, too. So, like, did that extend to other countries? Do you know? I imagine it extended to other countries. And it's weird, though, because in the Soviet Union, shit like this didn't usually happen because they had such a strong-armed government. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really allow satanic cults to exist or hell even most religions didn't exist let alone satanic cults so i'm not sure how widespread it was there i know it was probably in europe but maybe not in the soviet union right as i was kind of mentioning local investigators had never really dealt with anything like this you know this is a communist country and murders like this don't typically happen but they did the best with the evidence that they could find that began with the identification of the bodies and then doing the necessary forensic tests of the remains. But even as they were pursuing these leads, the body count continued to rise. And Emily, by the time we get to 1984, 23 bodies had been found in the city. 23. Yeah. And the majority of these victims were young girls and boys who had been discovered in the wooded areas around Rostov. And every single one of them had been mutilated. Like with their eyes or just like stabbed a lot? Yeah, almost all of their eyes had been gouged out and they were all stabbed in a very similar manner. Mm -hmm. It's said that when they found some of the victims they could still see the reflection of horror in their eyes, which was also very hard to look at because remember most of them were just kids. Yeah. And another just absolutely awful piece of information here. 
many of the victims had their body parts removed by what was pretty clearly teeth marks what of the killer what he bit off their butt what like their fingers yeah parts of their limbs their fingers their toes and like in their flesh like in the yeah meat? it's Ooh. widely believed that he, that he cannibalized them oh I mean, we've seen this before with other serial killers. I mean, yeah. more more in modern times with Jeffrey Dahmer. But anytime you come across cannibalism, it just takes it to another level of horror. Yeah. You know what I find interesting about myself? And maybe this is just how desensitized I am. Hearing about these cases and like anybody getting murdered is awful like no matter how they were killed like yes it's obviously awful but just like it's the cannibalism aspect that really for me anyway just makes me cringe yeah same i remember dahmer was the first case that i was really aware of as a kid yeah hearing about it on the news, hearing my parents talk about it, and knowing that cannibalism was involved, I was just absolutely horrified. It's about as it's about as bad as it can get, really. Yeah. And that's that's saying a lot. But this guy, this was just the tip of the iceberg for him. A lot of the bodies were found near transportation points, bus stations, train stations, that sort of thing. So this made local investigators think that maybe this guy was someone who used the Soviet transportation system quite a lot and was pretty familiar with it. I think that's a fair assessment to have at that point when you're looking at the case. And so even though there was a lot of evidence at this point to make one believe that a serial killer was on the loose... The Soviet police and the Communist Party who controlled the media would not release any information on the case. Remember, this isn't like the United States or many Western countries where the first sign of a serial killer, the media is all over it. In a country right. like the Soviet Union, there was a tight grip on any information that could get out to the public. So a lot of people were completely unaware of this, right. walking around their daily lives, probably brushing right next to the killer and not even knowing that there was a an issue at hand. That's kind of scary. Horrifying to think about. Yeah. And Rostov police began this gigantic manhunt soon after basically arresting nearly anyone who looked even vaguely like the suspect in this country. They can just arrest you for any reason. Mm -hmm. And this didn't seem to help, though, because for another eight years, the killer still remained at large. And this was when investigators began noticing a pattern. At first, his victims more or less were vulnerable sex workers but mm -hmm. as time went on, he seemed to grow more emboldened and he started to 
take innocent children, boys and girls, really whoever he could find at an opportune time and kill them. Wow. Police then began to focus a large part of their investigation on these transportation hubs throughout the city. They had all of their best cops patrolling the bus stops and train stops day and night. Then one night in early November, the strategy finally paid off. Intrigued by the dark side of things like murder, kidnapping, and sex cults? What about when the criminal is your favorite musician or actor or director or writer? Hollywood might look like all glitz and glamour until you take a closer look. But I'll tell you one thing that kind of point of view can make you more vulnerable. From Roman Polanski to Mackenzie Phillips to Judith Barcy to Kurt Cobain. Summer predators and summer prey. I'm Dee Dee West, and I just might ruin your childhood. Follow my podcast, Broken Limelight, where I cover celebrity true crime stories. For more information, visit brokenlimelight.com. Again, that's Broken Limelight. Follow it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. A plainclothes detective was patrolling at an isolated train station and he noticed a man walking out of the nearby woods. The officer also spotted a bit of blood on the guy's cheek and a pretty bad cut on his finger. The officer who was watching him also noticed that the suspect was washing his shoes and cleaning his coat. So, say it with me, sus. That's pretty sus. Sus. And back in the days of the Soviet Union, you had to take your papers with you wherever you went. And this officer then approached the man, demanding to see his papers. He saw the man's he saw the man's name was Andre Chikatilo, a 54 year old grandfather, and by all accounts, a loyal. Communist Party member. But even though the officer was, like we mentioned, super sus, he didn't really have enough evidence to arrest Chikatilo at the time. He did, however, I know, but I think it was because he had been a loyal Communist Party member. Like, they like seeing that kind of thing. Mm. And he did, however, file a report on the incidents. And wouldn't you know it, 24 hours later, someone discovered a girl's body in the same wooded area that Chikatilo had been spotted walking out of hours before. 
Okay, but like, if this guy was sus of him, why wouldn't they go search the wooded area? I don't know. I don't know. And Dummies. maybe once, maybe by the time it got light out the next day, that's when they sent people out. But regardless, there was someone that spotted a body the next day. And this victim had all of the same trademarks as the previous victims. Mm -hmm. The chief of police immediately demanded the files of any suspicious individuals who had been in that vicinity in the past day. And a short time later, Andre Chikatilo was arrested in a Rostov marketplace area. As he should be. Right. And apparently the arrest was even caught on video. So I here's what happens on the video. Andre comes out of the bar with a bottle of beer and he tries to lure a young boy to come with him. And boom, that is when police swipe in to make the arrest. Kind of like surprise you're on candid camera to him. And by this time, Andre was kind of already suspected at, of committing more murders. But the most unfortunate part of the case was that police had no eyewitness evidence, nothing concrete against him. So they thought their best bet was to get a confession. Mm-hmm. So the man police were interrogating. Let's give a little backstory here. As we mentioned, 54-year-old Andre Chikatilo. He grew up in a one-room hut in northeast Ukraine. And to say that Andre had a rough childhood would be probably the fucking understatement of the year, Emily. Mm -hmm. His family lived on a collective farm in the Soviet Union, so they weren't even paid for their work. And they could barely grow anything on their little plot of land. They even resorted to boiling grass and leaves to eat. And Andre would later say that he never even tasted bread until he was 12 years old. I wonder what it was like to just like to have to eat grass. Like I wouldn't want to be around any of the windows on that place when someone was yelling in uh guardy Lou. You know Ooh. I, mean? I do. I do know what you mean. I, I I can't say I've ever eaten grass. I've smoked grass, but I've never eaten it. But that's another story. I don't think I've eaten grass either. I think I have tasted one of those like smoothie drinks where they put the wheat grass in or whatever. That's different. Yeah, wheat grass is like a different I don't think he was eating wheatgrass. Yeah, but it's still grass. Does it doesn't count? Sure. If you want it to count, (laughs) (laughs) I have I have like a wheatgrass mixture that I bought when I was trying to go through a healthy stage, and like you pour a couple things in your cup or whatever. And well, like they like at the at the place, you know, like they like grow it, and then you're like, oh, I want this kind of drink, and then they just like snip snip. Yeah, they do. I guess it. Yeah, it's a grass. I mean. But then I guess I haven't eaten grass. I drink grass. Yeah. (laughs) We digress. Moving on. 
So throughout his childhood, his mother also told him the story of his brother, Stefan, who at the age of four was kidnapped by the family's starving neighbors and eaten. Sound familiar? So they're baby napping and eating babies? That's how, that's how poor everybody was, though. I'm not sure if they were just like straight up cannibals or if they were just so desperate they saw a little kid running by and they were like, saw him as a Snickers bar or something, you know? Well, you know, the Snickers people were right because you certainly are not you when you're hungry. <laughs> Shit. Bob, have a Snickers. You're not you when you're trying to eat a little kid that's running by. You're better than this, Bob. Okay. (laughs) So to make matters worse, guess what happened to him next? I guess worse. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Ever heard of the Nazis? Well, that's right around the time Uh, where they invaded Ukraine and Russia. So... So he's dealing with being super poor. His brother's getting eaten. He can't even afford to eat bread. And the Nazis invade. And he was about five years old when this happened. They completely devastated the region. They burned all of the farms down. They raped any of the women that they could get their hands on. And they threw much of the population into concentration camps where most sadly would eventually die. Yeah. Andre's father was off fighting in the Red Army during this time period. So he and his mother had to kind of fend for themselves while the Nazi machine ravaged their homeland. Yeah, my God. They spent most of their time hiding in ditches and cellars. Unfortunately, it sounds like Andre's mother just had an absolutely terrible time trying to keep him and her alive. Katie would imagine. She was raped by a German soldier in 1943 in front of Andre. And he's just little at this point in time, right? Like six-ish, five, did you Yeah, say? he's like five. He's like six or seven. This had to be extremely traumatic for Andre, let alone his mother. And to make matters more difficult, she became pregnant as a result of this rape oh. and had to give birth later that year to Andre's younger sister, Tatiana. So eventually, the Germans were defeated. The Soviet Union prevails. And things start to kind of get back to normal. Andre starts to go to school. But he did notice that he was different than other kids. For example, when he reached puberty... It was discovered that he had chronic impotence and he really started experiencing a a lot of self-loathing because of this around this time. He was super, super awkward around girls. Once he was kind of messing around with his friend's sister, like they were wrestling Mm -hmm. and they fell to the ground and Andre ejaculated as the girl was struggling to get away from his grasp, which obviously freaked her out, freaked his friend out. And later when he was in college, he began his first relationship with a girl who was a couple years younger than him. And from what I read, the two tried to have sex a couple times, 
but he was just unable to get anything going. So not surprising, the girl eventually broke things off. Now, this, (laughs) this impotency issue kind of became a big thing in his life. I would imagine. Yeah. How could it not, right? He was in the Soviet army for three years. That was mandated over there. You had to serve. Mm-hmm. And Andre eventually moved back home. And then he began seeing a young divorcee. I think that's the first tr- time I've ever said divorcee in this podcast. But um, again, <laughs> again, he wasn't able to rise to the occasion, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately for him, it seems like this woman that he was trying to have sex with was telling everybody in the neighborhood about it. So people were teasing and ridiculing him about not being able to get it up. And that's unfortunate. Right. It got so bad that he actually attempted to kill himself. He tried hanging himself out of his shame, but his mother and the neighbors stumbled upon him in the act of doing so and took his head out of the noose. I don't think this, I don't think these are the same neighbors that ate his brother, by the way. I would hope not anyway. Yeah, that would be, um... Hey, if you're going to die, let me eat you first. Um, yeah, no, just just let's like, let's just look and see what happens. That might be lunch. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I mean, obviously, we have an idea of what this guy goes on to do. So, like, we don't feel bad for the killer, him. But, like, you do kind of got to feel bad that, like, he was made fun of and ridiculed to that point. Because he's still pretty young at this point, right? Like, in yeah. his 20s. he's... He's in his early 20s. And that's kind of why I wanted to backtrack here and talk a little bit about his upbringing and his early days. It paints a picture of who he's about to become. Yeah. And because of this immense sense of shame that he had, Andre decided really that the only way he could live a normal life is that if he left his home and moved somewhere completely new. Mm Mm-hmm. Where did he move? The city that would make him one of the most infamous killers of all time. Coming up next week, we'll find out just how Andre was pushed over the edge into becoming a sadistic serial killer after moving to Rostov. And we'll also see just what he said to police after he was apprehended. You know, I forgot that you said you were going to make this a two-parter. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh my God, this fucking guy. And then you were like, oh yeah, next week. Like, fuck off. I know. I know. Hey, you <laughs> did, did it to the, me. I know. But it's different. With the when eyeball I do killer. It, it's different when I do it to you. Wait, how is it different when you do it? Because I already know what's coming. So like, it's fine <laughs> when I do it to you, but it's not, you do as I say, not as I do, you know? Fair enough. I'm the same way. But I'm looking forward to next week. And I'm also looking forward to what folks have to say over on our socials, whether it's a one star, a five star. We don't care. We just want to hear from you. Yeah, I am thoroughly entertained by the one star reviews, but please leave us a five star review anyway. 
Um, come hang out with us on Twitter, Unnatural the Pod, Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast. We have a Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. You can send us a Gmail, unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon page that is patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. As we mentioned, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, share us with your friends. And if you leave us a five-star review, even if it's a negative five-star review, we'll still take it. And we a will A negative five-star review. I mean, if you leave us a five-star just to get seen and then, like, talk shit about us. Like, I, I see people do that on Amazon and, like, shopping sites because, obviously, the good reviews are the ones that get seen. So, like, right. I've, I've definitely seen people leave a five-star star but like if you read what they say it's just like completely tearing them apart so if you don't like us at least please do that and um Mm -hmm. send us a screenshot to any of the above mentioned socials and we will send you a free sticker whether you like us or not because we're nice like that we are Mm -hmm. and we always hope regardless of how you feel about us that you make good choices and don't get caught Talk to you next week. Say it. Say it. Bye. (laughs) This guy that left us the one star review and said we weren't, he left us a one star review because he said it sounded like we weren't friends. So, in honor of him, he I just have to say, Emily, and he wasn't sure if we like each other. I mean, I'm not even sure if we like each other half of the time. So I get that, but I'm <laughs> that look you just gave. This is my poker face because you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we like each other so much. That we can hate each other. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, like we are such good friends that we're just mean to each other, which is like how I yeah. treat most. Like if I like if I am exceedingly nice to you, you should be worried because there's a high likelihood that I fucking hate you. Andre's father was off fighting in the Red Army during this time period. So Oh. Hi. <laughs> like, whoa. How's my ass taste, microphone? <laughs> oh. The choice of cats. She's so cute. Have you ever had kale? Yeah, I mean like I don't I don't like it exclusively, but like I've had a I've had salads that have kale mixed in there. Right. I um there was a video that was making the rounds a couple of days ago and it was showing an ultrasound of a baby's face when the mom eats kale, like its reaction, and it's hilarious. <laughs> like the fetus is like, no, <laughs> what are you putting inside me? I wonder um, if that's how Riley felt when I was pregnant, because I always had cravings for the um, jalapeno cheddar um, Cheetos. <laughs> It's like I would eat those by the by like all the time the handful. Yeah, <laughs> he was probably like, no, he's probably like, mom, stop. Does he like those 
this like I mean, did... he does now but okay i was wondering it would be hilarious if he had like had a, like a lifelong hatred of them <laughs> and he never knew why He's been begging me because at the at the um, gas station in town they have the like one chip challenge chips, and he's been begging me to buy them for him and his friends. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Like you complain that Takis are too spicy, you white child. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I bet he'd take like one teeny tiny bite. Yeah. Stop meowing. Stop it. No. <laughs> Go on. I just, I bought her like a $3 can of food too. And she loved it. And now it's still not good enough. 